And bless his holy name. You may be seated tonight in the name of the Lord. We're going to go directly to the word of the Lord. And I want to uh, read one verse of scripture to you uh, from the book of Exodus chapter 20. The book of Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to read one verse of scripture. And it simply says this. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And I want to speak to you on the subject, thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not covet. Amen. Be content with what we have. Midweek Bible study, and really anytime we open the word of the Lord, we want to make applicable the word of God. We want to make it something that we can apply to our daily lives, but particularly on midweek Bible study, we want to take a moment and really uh, gain some tools to help us live strong for the Lord. And so tonight I want to just, by the grace of God, I want to help us to have a, a tool in our, uh, our, our arsenal, if you please, uh, to just help us to understand how we can live victoriously for the Lord. Because I think that there is a great advantage that the enemy gains on us when we fall to covetousness. Now it seems like a benign word. But when you see where it's located in the scriptures, you begin to see its fierceness and its it's uh, the, the, the way that it affects the soul of man. For instance, the passage of scripture that we just read from is from none other than the Ten Commandments. And when we look at the Ten Commandments, there are some pretty hefty sins located within these words. And these commandments are the acknowledgement of what creates a strong society. So very literally, if people, now we know this is impossible without the power of the Holy Ghost. But if people would obey these commands, what a wonderful world it would be. And we've gone through that before. Each one of them carries with them such virtue that if we just did what these commands describe for us to do, and if everybody did that, if, if these commands were just a list that people could walk up and read and say, oh, okay, well, I just won't do that anymore. I'm glad somebody notified me that that was against the rules. Now I know, and I'll never do those things. Society would, would, would be an amazing place. But that's not the way that it works. We have to be empowered by the Holy Ghost to live the kind of life that is prescribed by these great commands. And so this being the final command, thou shalt not covet. And particularly anything that is thy neighbor's. Anything that your neighbor, any advantage that your neighbor may have. Don't covet that advantage. Don't look upon them with envy and wish that it was you that had what they had. And the fact that this particular vice emerges in these commandments, gives us a glimpse of how destructive this thing is to society and how corrosive it is to our own spirit. 
And it is something that when it gets inside of a person, it will eat them alive. And it will make you look upon your brother, your sister, your neighbor, others who you think have some sort of thing that you either deserve or just wish you had. And the fact is, God has been good to you. And when you covet what other people have, it is your, the inference is that God has not been good to you. Oh, but God has been so good. And if he never blesses me with some of the things he has blessed other people with, that is fine by me. He has been good to me. And I praise his name for how good he has been to me. And there's a little secret in that. When you'll praise him for what he's done for you, he'll just keep doing more for you. God's blessings come in the context of thanksgiving and gratitude. And so I want to just observe a couple of these great transgressions that covetousness is listed with. Thou shalt not kill is in the same category as thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not commit adultery is listed in the same category as thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not steal is listed in the same category as thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor or falsely accuse somebody is also alongside thou shalt not covet. So many of these great commands, and we could list all of them, but they are, they are listed as building blocks for a moral society. And covetousness is an immorality and it is a cancer to the human spirit. I want to turn your attention to 2 Peter chapter 3. And we're going to look at a couple of verses here. I want to read to you just a passage again to, to just illustrate the damaging effects of covetousness. You'll never have peace if you allow covetousness into your heart. You will never have the contentment that comes from the presence of the Lord. And I want you to know that there is a divine contentment that will settle on you when you are consumed by the presence of the Lord. Because you begin to see His glory. And you know, there's something we have to understand. We've got to be content with what the Lord calls us to do. There are certain callings that some people have. And, and it may not seem as big as the calling another person may have. And they may feel inferior. And that is a trick of the devil. Because it's, it's not a matter of what is big or not in the eyes of man. It matters how the Lord values a thing. And the Lord doesn't value things the way we value things. The Lord can look at a widow putting in two mites... And a wealthy man putting in an abundance of money and say of the widow's two mites, this is of greater value than the abundance of money. And if we were asked which is more valuable, all of us would have failed that test. Because all of us would have measured it according to man's standards. But God has a different measurement by which he gauges things. And so we have to understand that about our calling and our giftings and our talents and what God has called us to do. We cannot get into the habit of looking upon others and wishing that God had called us into their calling or gifted us with their gifting 
or blessed us with their blessing. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Actually, we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 3. Let me make sure. All right, y'all bear with me now. No, 2 Peter chapter 2. Somebody said amen. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 3. Verse number 1. There were false prophets also among the people. Everybody say false prophets. As there shall be false teachers among you who privately, okay, that's a big word. They do it under the radar. They shall bring in privately damnable heresies. That means false teaching that will take you to hell. Okay, these aren't innocent little misguided views of things. These are damnable heresies and they will absolutely take your soul to hell. And in these they deny the Lord that bought them. And they bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. Many people will follow them into ruin and into desolation. And by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. How many have ever grieved over someone who claimed Christ but were the worst example of Christ? And because of their terrible example, many people looked upon them and said, well, if that's Christianity, I don't want anything to do with it. Anybody ever experienced something like that? Well, this is what Peter is talking about here in verse number uh, 3. By whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Notice what he says in verse 3. And through covetousness they shall with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, their damnation slumbereth not. Now I'm going to tell you, all of this that they're doing is through covetousness. The damnable heresies is through covetousness. All of the, all of the pernicious ways are through covetousness. And the Bible says, if God spared not the angels that sinned. Are you seeing who he is comparing covetous ways to? To whom he is comparing it? He is comparing covetous ways to the rebellion of fallen angels. This is, this is not a, a crew you want to be associated with. Spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell. And delivered them into chains of darkness. To be reserved unto judgment. And spared not the old world. But save Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. He is comparing the covetous to those who were destroyed by the flood. Notice what he says in verse 6. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. He is comparing the covetous to those of Sodom and Gomorrah who were destroyed in ashes. Condemned them with an overthrow making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. He goes on to say in verse number 13, they shall receive the reward of unrighteousness 
as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes. Okay, that's an important point to be made. Spots they are and blemishes. You may know that the Lord said that I'm going to come for a glorious church without spot and without wrinkle. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying I'm going to get rid of the spots off of my church. The spots are people. And the Bible tells us that these are spots. And that that's not going to remain in the bride of Christ. He's coming for a glorious church. And he's going to remove from that glorious church all spots and all wrinkles. Verse 13. Spots they are and blemishes. Sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. In other words, there some of them are going to pretend to be among the number of God's chosen people. But they are spots. They are blemishes. They are like the fallen angels. They are like those of Sodom and Gomorrah who were condemned and overthrown. Notice what it says in verse 14. Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and the heart they have exercised, here it is, with covetous Practices, cursed children, children. These are children. These are people who have come into the church and they are cursed because they have exercised their heart with covetous practices and it has left them with eyes full of adultery. And when I bring to you this word from the Lord, I do so to cleanse your heart. From anything that may resemble this kind of a person. You must not ex exercise. What a word. <laughs> exercise. Because what exercises sin in our hearts are covetous practices. The practice of covetousness. When you, when you sense covetousness in your spirit, that is when you repent. That is when you fall upon your face and say, oh God. Help me. I don't want to have any envy in my heart for my brother or my sister. If they get blessed with a new vehicle, I'm going to rejoice with them that rejoice. If they get blessed with a new job, I'm going to rejoice with them that rejoice. If they get blessed with a new promotion in the church, when I feel more deserving of it, I'm going to rejoice with them that rejoice. There's no place for envy in the body of Christ. There's no place for envious, an envious heart in the body of Christ. Envy is a work of the flesh. And when it gets into our spirit and starts working itself through our members, it is a damnable heresy. And it will take you down like it took down the fallen angels. And it will take you down like it took down Sodom and Gomorrah. And it'll take you down like it took down the old world that Noah was saved from. Praise God. Listen, I want to get inside of our soul tonight. And I want to uproot the, the private stuff that the enemy plants in our spirit. Hallelujah. If you can get this kind of junk out of your soul, God can use you to do anything in his kingdom. Hallelujah. You ought to try it sometime. The next time... That you feel a little envy crop up in your spirit. Rejoice with those with whom you are envious. Do 
it deliberately. Do it intentionally. We're going to talk about how to overcome covetousness and how to overcome envy. But you must understand the destruction that it brings upon you. And, and of course, we've seen the destruction that it can bring upon even God's holy church. But God doesn't play with it. God will remove you from his church. God will, God will, God will send you strong delusion. If you're going to be harmful to people of God around you, God will send you a strong delusion. And he'll remove you from his bride. And you will be lost. And you won't even desire the things of God. Because God is going to protect his people from you. Because you have a cancer in you that you're trying to spread among his body. That's not going to be me. I'm going to be humble before the Lord by his grace and by his mercy. Not by my might. Not by my power. Left to my own devices, I will be guilty of every work of the flesh. But oh, if the Holy Spirit of God would get down deep on the inside of me. He can cleanse me of all unrighteousness. He can cleanse me of all covetous practices. Hallelujah. Now, if you have some covetousness that you're wrestling with, don't feel condemned by this teaching. I'm trying to help you overcome it. And, and if you have some covetousness that you're dealing with or some envy that you're fighting, welcome to the club. It's called flesh. And you don't, and, and, and you're not, just because... You're fighting it doesn't mean you're being defeated by it. That is true of any sinful struggle. Just because it's something that you definitely feel tempted by does not mean it has an advantage over you. Temptation is not a sin. Commission is a sin. The Lord was tempted in all points as we are tempted, but was without sin. That means he was tempted and never did commit a sin. And I know some people who are tempted by sins and the devil comes in and accuses them, telling them that because they were tempted, it makes them a sinner. That's a lie from the devil. He can't tell the truth. Every word he speaks is a lie. And so, so the temptation is not the sin. So if you feel in your members some envy trying to rise up, that doesn't mean you're envious. That means you're tempted to be envious. Covetousness and envy is something that, that has to come through you in order to be a part of you. You don't entertain it. You remove it from your mind. You fight it like you would any kind of an ungodly thought. I'm not going to think that way of my brother. I'm not going to think that way of my sister. I'm not going to think that way of my co-laborer in the things of the Lord. Uh, make sure that when people weep that you weep with them. Rejoice with them that rejoice, weep with them that weep. You know what that means? That means if something bad happens to them, don't be happy about it. And if, you, if you've got some flesh in you that kind of secretly rejoices that they had what was coming to them, you've got to repent for that and say, oh God, don't let that be a part of my spirit. I'm not going to exercise covetous practices. Praise the Lord. Is this all right tonight? Amen. I want my heart to be clean before God. Because God's going to judge our heart. God's gonna, God knows what's in our heart. And he's going to judge our heart. Now you may know the great story of the uh, victory of the people of Israel over Jericho. That they walked around the city uh, one time a day for six days. And then on the seventh day they walked around seven times. And on the seventh time of the seventh day they shouted, they rejoiced. They, they blew the trumpets, and the walls fell down flat. 
and the walls just came down and they took the city. Well, that's a great victory, and we've sang songs about it, and we've preached sermons about it, and we find great joy in knowing that God gives us that kind of victory. But the next battle they tried to fight, the battle at Ai, was a different story. And they didn't think that they needed to seek God about Ai. They felt like they had this victory thing all figured out. I'm just going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. When you think you've got God all figured out, he's going to let you know again and afresh that his ways are above your ways. I remember there was a time I was facing a particular challenge and I had, I had faced this challenge a number of times and I, I knew how to, how to beat this. This was simple. And so I tried to use all of the tools I had to beat that particular challenge and I went in very confident only to realize it wasn't going to work this time. And it shocked me. And I went back to the Lord and the Lord said, I'm not going to let you win that way because you think it's you. You think it's you, and so you're going to have to depend on me. So I had to gain a new faith and a new power and a new confidence in God and go back into that battle and fight with new weapons that I didn't have in my arsenal. And it was going to have to be, I was actually going to have to stand still and let the Lord fight the battle and realize all over again that it is the Lord that gives us the victory. I'm telling you, 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 can, you can spiritualize haughtiness all you want, but pride is pride. Joshua chapter 7, verse 21, the man by the name of Achan is found to be guilty of taking spoils when they were not to take any spoils. And so it takes spoil, and, and of course, see, this is something that, that took place uh, and, and prevented them from going forth and and having victory, uh, and, and so a- Achan is confronted in Joshua 7, verse 20, verse 20, Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, Then I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. Achan lost his life because of covetousness. He coveted a Babylonish garment and 200 shekels of silver. I want to tell you something. Babylon has nothing that you should covet. I know it's flashy. I know that it's I know that it's on the front cover of every fashion magazine. But we don't wear Babylonish garments. We don't put upon ourselves the apparel of the world because of the fact that it's not of God. We gain our victory through the Lord. We don't covet what the world offers. And 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 there's a reason why Psalm 73. I want to read to you just a a few verses of scripture here that, that we need to hear because we're living in a world where they literally, they literally celebrate covetousness and they seek to make people envy one another. The lifestyles of the rich and famous. And they want you to look upon others and wish you had what they had. 
and, and would, would tell you that your life is mundane and meaningless when you are living for the Lord and your home is sound and your children are being raised in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And that will continue to be the case as long as you don't set the Babylonian world we live in up as an idol in your home. When you say we serve the Lord, but oh man, it would be wonderful to live like them. You're creating a problem. That's deception of the enemy. Psalm 73 verse 1, I love it right here. Truly God is good to Israel. Oh, if you could ever get that in your spirit. That's who we are. We're Israel. Truly, God is good to Israel. Don't you listen to any lying devil that tells you that we are cheated, that we are missing out. We're not missing out. We've been called out of a world that's on its way to judgment. We're not missing out by not being a part of what this world's philosophy is. Why would we want to be a part of a world that has clearly lost all grip on reality. Truly, God is good to Israel. Don't ever forget that. Even to such as are of a clean heart. Hallelujah. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. This is, this is the psalm of Asaph. This, this is not David talking. This is Asaph talking. He's a psalmist. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. Anybody remember when your feet were almost gone? And my steps had well nigh slipped. And here's why. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I looked upon the prosperity of the wicked. And I thought, why do they keep prospering? And I keep struggling. Why are they continuing to be what looks to be blessed? Listen, do you know the temptation the devil offered to Jesus in the wilderness? I will give you all the kingdoms of this world. There are many people in our society who took him up on that offer. And they have access to several kingdoms of this world. And they drive the cars. And they live in the houses. Now, if you're blessed with a financial blessing from the Lord, there's, there's nothing wrong with the financial blessing of the Lord. It's a good thing. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So don't misunderstand. I'm not saying the Lord won't bless you. I'm saying that he will, but there's a difference. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. You don't have to sell your soul to the devil to be enriched by the Lord. You don't have to sear your conscience with a hot iron to be blessed of the Lord. You don't have to compromise your ethics to be blessed of the Lord. You don't have to conflict your Christian example to be blessed of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. He'll increase you, hallelujah, abundantly. He'll do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. Amen. According to the power that worketh in us, he'll do that. But when you get your eyes upon the wicked and are envious at the foolish and see the prosperity of the wicked, look what they say. In, he says in verse 4, I said, there are no bands in their death. Their strength is firm. 
They are not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. And violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt. They speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens. Their tongue walketh through the earth. It's, it, it, they're looking around at their culture and they're saying, their tongue is walking through the earth everywhere I look. Everybody's repeating the refrain of the wicked. I look and, and it's like they just get away with everything. They get by with whatever they want to get by with. He goes on to say, Behold, in verse 12, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain. It was all for naught. Why am I over here trying to live a godly life and they just keep prospering and becoming enriched? I cleansed my heart in vain and I washed my hands in innocence. Innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued. And I chastened every morning. I have challenges every day. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. In verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. I went into prayer. And I said, God, I don't understand why some people prosper and other people suffer. And those who prosper seem to be full of wickedness. And those who suffer seem to be innocent, cleansing their hearts in vain. And God began to deal with him in that sanctuary. Let me remind you, ladies and gentlemen, if you'll get real with God, he'll be real to you. Don't pray these patty cake prayers. You reach down inside of your heart. And you tell God exactly what you need to know. And he'll tell you exactly what you need to know. I mean, he'll get so down into, into the business of what you're dealing with. He'll tell you when you're praying the wrong prayer. And he'll lead you into green pastures. And he'll say, hey, here's a little clue. Pray this prayer and watch what door it opens. He'll say, you're almost there. You're almost there. Ask me this. <laughs> and when you ask him that, it opens up a whole new understanding. And that's where Asaph was. Asaph was like, God, I don't understand it. I'm chastened every morning, and they get by with everything. They, 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 they do whatever they want, and they get whatever they want. And I'm over here trying to live right, live godly, and I'm suffering, trying to make it every single day. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. He's not in the sanctuary of God until verse 17. Notice how bad his perspective is up until verse 17. Until he takes it to God in prayer. Until he sacrifices his flesh and is crucified with Christ in God. And says, Lord, I need to hear a word from you. I need to know a word from you. And so he speaks to the Lord. And that's when God reveals to him, verse 18... Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down in destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. He saw them in hell. 
That's what he saw when he went into the sanctuary of God. As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I, so ignorant to ever envy the foolish, to ever covet the prosperity of the wicked. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Verse number 27. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. I'm going to tell you something. When you go into the sanctuary of God, you'll stop envying the wicked and you'll start praying for them. You'll stop coveting their prosperity and you'll start pleading the blood of Jesus over this soul. Because you know where they're headed. You know where they're headed. You understand their end. No, we don't need to have any connection to covetous practices. We don't need to have any connection to this thing called covetousness. It is a cancer to the soul of man. And when you feel it rising up within you, you must repent and turn unto the Lord. Psalm 119, we're going to read uh, verse 36. Psalm 119, here we get an understanding of how to combat this thing. Psalm 119 verse 36. Incline mine heart. Unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. That's how you fight covetousness. Incline your heart. You know what incline is. It means lean that way. I'm going to lean into the testimonies of the Lord. And you've heard me say it a hundred times. I hope you hear me say it a thousand times. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Hallelujah. Name them one by one. I have clothes upon my back. Hallelujah. You know what? It wasn't too cold today, but I was ready if it was because I could have just cranked that heat up in the car. I, I've got a seat warmer, ladies and gentlemen. Name those blessings. Glory to God. One by But you know what, Brother Sizemore? It was not cold enough for heat so I turned the air conditioner glory to God God is good I had a full tank of gas in the car I drove up and down the busy highways of this city today and I did not have an automobile accident I was driving 65 and 70 miles per hour next to large vehicles that could have run me over but God kept me the whole time I know we've gotten used to that happening every day, but I want you to know you need to be thankful for the testimony of the Lord. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God, my children are healthy and well, and they're serving the Lord. Hallelujah. And my, and my son-in-law is serving the Lord, and they're raising my grandbaby in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Hallelujah. And my family, my parents are healthy and doing well, and my in-laws are healthy and doing well, and my wife is healthy and doing well, and this church is strong. Hallelujah. God is good to Israel. My God, and you say, and you may and you may say, but Pastor, I can't say all that about my circumstances. I don't have all of those blessings, but you've got blessings that I'm not able to name, and you need to name them. You need to call them out in praise and thanksgiving to God. Lean into the testimony of the Lord. When you feel a critical spirit coming on you, when you feel a covetous practice entering into your mind, when you feel envy starting to rise up, lean into the testimonies of the Lord. No, I'm not going to covet the bonus that somebody else received because God has been my provider and I know he will continue to provide for me. Hallelujah. Don't you know that if you thank my God have mercy I feel the Holy Ghost. Don't you know that if you thank God for the little thing it becomes much. I want to give you a scriptural precedent for that. Do you know when Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish and he's holding them? And, and then he, you know what happened? He multiplied them, right? They turned into many loaves of fishes and they fed thousands of people. But don't skip over how they multiplied. Because the Bible said he gave thanks for them. And bless them and break them. And I'm going to tell you something. That giving of thanks did it. That's the X factor. Because what, 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 how easy it would have been. Something probably you and I would have done. Remember, we would have criticized the widow with the two mites. And we'd have exalted the man who gave abundantly. In the same way, we would have acted differently than Jesus here. Hey, do you guys have any food? We've got 4,000 people out there to feed. And here comes some little kid. Yeah, I got five loaves and two fish. And we would have said, get serious. I said 4,000 people. I don't need your measly little bread and fish, kid. That's what we would have done. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus said, all I have is five loaves and two fish. Thank you, Lord, for what you have given to me. He didn't sit around and say, man, I wish I had, I wish I had as much food as that other teacher in that other city had to feed all those people who came to hear him teach. No, he said, whatever I've got, thank you for it. Thank you for it. Thank you for the money I do have in my wallet. Thank you for the money I am going to receive next week. Thank you, Lord, for the roof I do have over my head. Thank you, Lord, that I do have health in my body. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the job that I do get to go to. Thank you, Lord, for what you have given me. And when you thank God for the little bit he has given you, he will multiply his blessing in your life. That's how you multiply the blessing of the Lord. You, 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 multiply the, you multiply it by thanking God for it. Every blessing that comes your way, thank you, Lord. I got, I'm going to take it further. 
not just every blessing, everything that comes your way. Thank you, Lord. Because when you thank my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Listen, the apostle said everything is to be received with thanksgiving. That's how you sanctify your food is with thanksgiving. That's how you sanctify anything. It is sanctified with prayer and thanksgiving. Everything, 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 everything is sanctified with thanksgiving. That's why we count it all joy. Oh, they're talking bad about you. That's joy. That's what Jesus said. He said they're going to falsely accuse you. They're going to deliver you up unto synagogues. And they're going to say all manner of evil against you falsely. And again, we would have responded differently than Jesus. We would have said, well, who do they think they are? That's not what Jesus said to do. He said when they do it, here's, here's what you do. Rejoice. Because you're going to sanctify it with thanksgiving. I'm going to tell you what the devil means for evil. God turns it for the good because you sanctify it with thanksgiving. You can't bring something against me to bring me down because I just thank God for it. And the moment you brought it against me, I say, oh no, thank you, Jesus. And the moment I say, thank you, Jesus, for what they're doing, the moment I say that, it becomes good for me. All things. All things work together for the good. Yeah, but I lost my job. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In everything. In everything. In everything. My God, have mercy. What part of that don't we really believe? In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I, I made mistakes. Thank you, Jesus, because I'm going to learn from these mistakes. I lost my job. Thank you, Jesus, because you closed door. It means you're going to open up another one. I, I'm, I'm going through a tough time right now. Thank you, Jesus. I'm getting ready to walk into a new revelation, into a new victory. I'm getting ready to find you in a way I've never known you before. I sanctify it with thanksgiving. I sanctify it with prayer. I count it all joy. When I fall into diverse temptations, I count it all joy. The Apostle Paul said it this way. I glory in my infirmities. My Lord have mercy. Now I speak not of the flesh, but of the spirit. Your flesh will be weak. That's why you have to walk in the spirit. The spirit indeed is willing. The flesh is weak. If you're expecting your flesh ever to agree with what I'm teaching, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Your flesh will never agree, and it will constantly disagree, and you must crucify it. You only arrive at this place by walking in the Spirit of God. And that's when you come into the sanctuary of God, and you begin to see things you didn't see before. Hallelujah. Psalm 119 36, incline my heart unto thy testimony. I love that prayer because it's hard, right, to think about the good when bad stuff is happening. So notice what, notice what David said here. He said, Lord, you do it. Incline my heart. <laughs> he didn't say, he didn't, he didn't even say that I will incline my heart. He said, Incline my heart. 
listen to what he said in verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes. See, it's one thing to think, oh, I got to keep the statutes of God. David didn't even say, oh, I'm going to keep the statutes of God. No, he said, Lord, teach me the way of thy statutes. And I shall keep it unto the end. It's in that order, not the other way around. Give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me. My God have mercy. You've got to start praying those kinds of prayers. You've got to start putting this in God's hands. You say, I don't know how to put things in God's hands. I don't know how to just put it in his hands. You do it with your mouth. You say, Lord, I put it in your hands. Help me now to leave it there. Lord, I don't know how. That's what you do. You don't tell me you don't know how to do it. Tell him you don't know how to do it. You say, I don't know how to live a life that, that, that abstains from all appearance of evil. Don't tell me. Tell God. And then you say, God, I need you to help me abstain from all appearance of evil. And I'm trying to tell somebody that he will raise up a standard when the enemy comes in like a flood, he will come to your defense. He'll give you power to abstain from all appearance of evil. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments. For therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies. Praise God. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 26. Proverbs 21 and verse 26. Verse 25. The desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. He coveteth greedily all the day long. Notice this. But the righteous giveth and spareth not. That's another way that you overcome covetous practices. You give without sparing. Give without sparing. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. The giver has this revelation. The giver knows that you are more blessed when you give $100 than when you receive $100. Not the covetous. Because the covetous, the covetous wants to hold on to it. Because that's, that makes sense to the covetous. They're very, it's, that's very fleshly. And so the, the covetous will hold on to it and refuse to bless somebody. But the, but the Lord said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. He didn't say, it is not blessed to receive. Because it clearly is. If you receive, that's actually the definition of a blessing. But what he's telling us is that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. So if I take the $100 bill... And I give it to the person who is in need of it. Or put it into the work of the Lord. And I give the $100. I'm going to be more blessed than if I had received that same $100. Because when I receive it, that's what it is. It's $100. But when I give it, I'm putting it into the economy of God. And it multiplies. Now it's going to come back to me good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. And running over will every time every time you cannot outgive the lord 
When you feel a little covetous or envy, envious spirit rising up within you, you ought to give unsparingly to the work of the Lord. And God will multiply it. And you will realize your blessing does not come from your refusal to give. It comes from your rejoicing to give unto the things of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I don't want the, I don't want the prosperity of the wicked. They can have it. This is what is so sad. It's sad to see people who spend their whole life believing that if they can just get enough money, they'll be happy. And when they get there, they become suicidal because what they thought was the answer never was the answer. No, don't be envious at the foolish. Don't view the prosperity of the wicked with envy. Rejoice in the Lord all the days of your life. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Don't covet what your neighbor has. Don't, cover, don't covet what resources they have. Don't covet what relationships they have. Don't covet what connections they have, what money they have, what homes they have. Don't covet, don't covet, thou shalt not covet. And we know that that is a command, thou shalt not covet. In the Old Testament, it means do not covet. But in the New Testament, it has... It has the ring of promise in it. You can hear the undertone of promise in the words. You shall not covet. If you will love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. My God have mercy. And love your neighbor as yourself. Then there's a promise. It's not just a demand. There's a promise. You shall not kill anymore. You shall not steal you shall not commit adultery. You're not going to do these things. You shall not covet. Because you will have found, as Paul did in Philippians 4, 11, I have found in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I'm content when I'm abased. I'm content when I abound. I'm content when I'm full. I'm content when I'm empty. I'm content when I suffer need. And I'm content when I'm overflowing with abundance. I'm just content in whatever state I am. So there's no need to covet what anyone else has. How many want that promise to come to pass in your heart and in your mind and in your family? Come on, let's lift up our hands unto the Lord and say, God, cleanse my heart. Cleanse my heart. Wash my spirit, O oh God. Cleanse my heart and wash my spirit, O oh God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I wonder if the church could stand to your feet right now. Hallelujah. And with a heart of thanksgiving, I wonder if we could just begin to praise God for his blessings to us. Praise him for his blessings to us. Praise him for his blessings to us. Ha, 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 ha. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 hallelujah. 
God, make our heart pure. Make our hearts pure. Make our hearts pure. Make our hearts pure. Fill us with real love for one another. Fill us with real love for this world. As you loved the world and gave yourself for it, Lord, let us love. Oh, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. One of the saddest things I ever see daily in what we call news. Basically just tabloids gossiping about people who have become wealthy in our world. These are real people who were deceived, many of them deceived into believing that the more power and the more money and the more fame they had, the happier they'd be. And their names are plastered every day all over the world for every piece of rumor and gossip. Many of them are driven to insanity and drug addiction. I don't rejoice in that. I weep over that. I weep over young people who think that that is the way a life should be lived. I weep over saints of God who indulge themselves in that entertainment day in and day out. Let us be content in the call of God upon our lives. Let us be content to live holy. Live holy. Live holy. Be content. Husband, be content with your wife. Wife, be content with your husband. Man, be content with the blessing that comes from your labor. Don't feel like you have to engage in some unethical practice to gain more. No. Follow in the paths of righteousness and you will be happy. Your soul will taste and see that the Lord is good. Young person, don't think you're missing out on some, some pleasure that can be brought by a work of the flesh. Like fornication, uncleanness or lasciviousness. You're not missing out. God has protected you. He has prevented you from walking down the slippery slope of sin. <laughs> Help us, Lord, to be a content people who are thankful for the blessings of the Lord in my life. My God, I feel your presence, Lord. I want to tell you again. I, I, I'm going to repeat it because I want you to get it in your soul. The kingdom of heaven is not meat and drink but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And it's in that order. It starts with righteousness. It starts with righteousness. Righteous living. Righteousness that God puts in your heart. That's where it starts. And once you get righteousness, and you're walking in a right path, and you're thinking in a right way, and you're living with right intentions, all of a sudden, your world becomes peaceful. I, you'll, listen, you'll have peace in the midst of the storm. There's something about knowing, even when all of hell is breaking loose, there's something about knowing, but I'm right with God. It gives you peace. And, and, and then once that peace settles, see the peace is a stillness. It's a, calm, a calming power. And once that peace settles in, then comes the joy. Then he puts laughter into your soul. 
And you will literally have a smile on your face again. And the peace will be more than just stillness and tranquility. You will be happy. You can be happy. You can have joy, laughter, a merry heart again. Laughter will fill your home. You will be unaffected by the evil of this world. You will live right before God at peace in your mind and joy filling your heart. That's the kingdom of heaven. It's the kingdom of heaven. And I want that. And I want that for my children and my grandchildren. I want that for this church. Praise God. Tree of life, that's you. That's you. Hallelujah. You can have that. You can have that joy, that joy, that joy, that joy, that joy, that joy. Lift up your hands unto the Lord and say, God, let me have a create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew in me a right spirit. Take away any envy I have toward my brother or my sister. Take away any covetousness I have toward my neighbor. <laughs> Lord, I surrender all of that to you. Woo, hallelujah. Come on, is there any honest person in the house that can just lift up your voice and say, God, take away these works of my flesh. Take away these works of my flesh in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's pray to him for a little while. We've got a few moments here. Let's pray to him for a little while. These altars are open if you want to come and pray. We're going to make this altar area available to you. We're going to sing unto the Lord. Hallelujah. And God is going to empower us to not covet anymore and to not envy anymore. And we're going to be at peace with ourselves and with our neighbors. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So Thanks to God when I don't have enough. Cause he's more than enough. And he knows what I need. He knows what I need. Thanks to God when I don't have enough. When I don't have enough. Cause he's more than enough. And he knows what I need. He knows what I need. Thanks to God. When I don't have enough, yes, you, cause he's more, more than, than enough. And he knows what I need, so I'll give thanks to God. When I don't have enough, when I don't have enough, cause he's more, he's than, more enough. than enough. And he knows, he knows what I need, what so I I'll need. give thanks to God. When I don't have enough, thank you, Jesus. Cause he's more than enough, and he knows what I need, so I'll give thanks to God. When I don't have enough, because he's more. Cause he's more than enough, and he knows what I need, so I'll give thanks to God. When I don't have enough. Because he's more, Cause he's more, than, he's more enough. than enough, and he knows what I need, so, so I'll give thanks to God when I don't have enough. Cause he's more than enough, and he knows what I need. Oh, hallelujah! hallelujah. He knows what I I receive your mercy, Lord. I receive your mercy. I receive your mercy, Lord. Your faithfulness 
Your faithfulness is clear to see. It's constant. Constant every day. It's constant every day. Every breath. Every breath I breathe in invitation to believe you are creating something good. Though the season doesn't tell my story, I know you'll move mountains for me. You're just that good, so I'll give thanks to God when I don't have enough. Because he's more than enough. Because he's more than he's enough. More than enough. And he knows what I need. So I'll give thanks to God when, when I don't have enough. Because he's more than enough. Yes, he is. And he knows what I need. So I'm going to give thanks to God when I don't have enough. Because he's more than enough. Hallelujah. What I need to so I'll, I'll give thanks, thanks to God when I don't have enough. Cause he's more than enough. And he knows what I need. So I'll, I'll give you thanks. Thanks to God. When I don't, when have, I don't enough. have enough. He's more than enough. Cause he's more than enough. Thank you, Jesus. And he knows what I need. So I'll give I want to give you, I want to give you, I want to give you a weapon, okay? I want to give you a spiritual weapon to use in your battles. Because a question many people have often is, I just need to know what is the will of God. Anybody ever had that question? I just need to know what is the will of God. Okay, there are statements in the Bible. I call them this is that statements. It's when, it's when the Bible says this is that, okay? And, and, and we see it in Acts 2, this is that, we see it. In Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and on, so on. We see it in, in 1 John. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. Here's a this is that statement. 1 Thessalonians 5, we quoted a moment ago. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God. It is forever the answer to that question. I just don't know what the will of God is. No, yes, you do. Yes, you do know what the will of God is. This is the will of God. In everything, give thanks. What I'm trying to tell you is if you'll stop right where you are and say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing. I don't understand it, but I thank you for everything in my life right now. I thank you for everything that's happening. I thank you that you're with me. I thank you that your mercy covers me. I thank you that you're saving my soul. I thank you that you're leading me and my family. And I'm going to tell you, when you start practicing that Thanksgiving, it's going to open the door. It's going to open the door. And you're going to have a plain path upon which to walk. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That in everything you give thanks. So I want you to take that weapon. 
And every day this week, I want you to just use it against the enemy. Every time he tries to make you doubt, every time he tries to make you fear, every time he tries to depress you or suppress or oppress, I want you to throw your hands up and say, thank you, Lord, for the victory. Thank you, Lord, for the blood. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power. Thank you, Lord, that you're my deliverer. Thank you, Lord, that you brought me up from the pit of despair. Thank you, God, that you're saving my soul. Woo, hallelujah. Because you're more than enough. Yes, you are. So I'll give thanks to God. Because he's more. When I don't have enough. He's more than enough. Yes, Lord. He knows what I need. Thanks to God. Yes. Yes, Lord. He knows what I need. What I need, so I.